Hello and welcome to another episode of Jackson Talks. Everybody with me, your host, Aaron Mashvitz, AKA Jackson Stone. This is episode 126 of the podcast. I'm fired up for this episode. So Steve, welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much for having me, Aaron. I am excited to be here, brother. So I'm gonna open this up with the with the theme of this podcast, the question that I believe is extremely important to answer openly and honestly, if given the time and the space to do so, I think it's even more important uh, between two males. And so, Steve, how are you doing, man? Like, really, how are you doing for real? I'm incredible, and that is the truth. Hmm. I am absolutely incredible. If I was doing any better, I'd be jealous of myself. I wow. am at full mental peace. I have an incredible relationship with my best friend, my wife. I travel wherever I feel like it when I want to. I've built a global coaching company worldwide that's 95% referrals. Do multiple six figures a year. Sleep great at night. I woke up today. Hmm. Like, my life's fucking incredible. <laughs> That's the truth. Now, it didn't always, it wasn't always like that. There's a lot of work to get here, and I can share that story with you if you want. Yeah, I, I would love to get there, um, definitely. But I, uh, I've been thinking about this topic that I want to start off with a lot, and I think you'd be the perfect person to, to for me to kind of workshop it. Yeah. Wherever you want to go, brother. I've been thinking a lot about listening. Mm. This idea of listening. Um, and you being a coach, I'm also a coach as well. I think that idea of listening is much more powerful than I think we even realize. And mm. so I don't know if I have a question, but maybe you have some thoughts on just how powerful it is for you in your life with your clients, how you've seen it work in action. Just what listening is in general. You know, a lot of folks, and again, I didn't make this stuff up, but one of the most powerful things I've ever learned about listening is the difference between listening for agreement or disagreement or just listening like a rock. Listening for agreement or disagreement you miss half the conversation because you're either looking to validate what you agree with or what's the word I'm looking for? Um, confront what you disagree with, but either way you're missing half the conversation when listening, especially, you know, between spouses or partners or wherever, Listening to just listen, listening for all possibility is what's most important. And not to listen about you, but actually hear what they're saying about themselves. Not to be in your own head, figuring out what you're going to say next, but actually having a genuine curiosity. Listening with curiosity is so powerful because I'm not interested in what my point is. 
I'm interested in getting absolute clarification on what yours is. It's asking to, or it's, or it's, it's um, understanding before asking to be understood. Where most communication breaks down is people are so busy trying to get you to understand them that they don't take the time to actually understand what the other person is saying. They don't recognize that the same word doesn't mean the same thing to everybody. Yeah. So this person will say, I believe in democracy, but you have your own definition of what democracy is, what it looks like, what those images are, what those pictures are, or even the most misunderstood one. I believe in God. Mm. That is the most saturated, perverted word in the world right now, because everyone has their own definition, of course. But instead of saying, what's your definition of God? What does that mean to you? We go, well, your God's not my God. Your God's the wrong one. So we have to learn to listen with curiosity. Yeah. We have to learn to listen with curiosity rather than listening from a space of conclusion. So you also have to ask yourself, what, where am I listening from? Am I listening from curiosity or am I listening from conclusion? Hmm. Yeah. And how do we, how do we develop a, a sense of curiosity for another, especially for another that we completely disagree with? <laughs> to respect your model of the world, Aaron, that doesn't mean I have to agree with it. Yeah. But I can respect it. Because all of your life experiences all of your memories, everything you were ever taught, everything you ever saw, every hard lesson you've ever learned, up until this point, everything that you've ever experienced has led you to say what you just said. Well, then that's also true for me. The only reason why I'm saying to you what I'm saying to you about religion, whatever it is, we can go any direction you want, is because of what I was taught, what I experienced, what belief, what's in my belief system, how I view the world, what my values are, what my memories were. All of that informs this perspective that I'm giving you. So to me, I am absolutely right to respect you is to understand that whatever's coming out of your mouth is absolutely right based on all of those factors that are true for me. They're also true for you. So I can respect where you come from 
and what your position is. That doesn't mean I have to agree with it, but I do have to respect it. Yeah. Trying to view every person as an actual real person, like a real person, right? And not seeing in front of you like some sort of shell of a human or a whatever you think their beliefs have made them think like it's a real human being. Um, not a B-list actor in your movie. Exactly. <laughs> right. Like it's hundred percent. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just a, a real person. And it's like, it's like, if we, if we, if we go in a little bit and we think about our own faults, inadequacies, things we've struggled with, we then don't, project or um let's say cancel someone for a fault or a misguided step or passing judgment on something that maybe they didn't understand or maybe they do believe it and they're standing ground on that and that's also something to applaud like not backing down from stuff that you believe to be true you know maybe eventually you'll be turned uh, to a different direction but all of that stuff is important when when simply trying to listen to a person like it it's it's so much deeper than just like making eye contact, caring about the person, seeing them as a real human. But it's like trying to look at ourselves from a huge, from the day we were born till now, a huge perspective of everything that's happened. And how has that transformed me? Because we're the same. Because we live life. We're humans. And so all of that stuff is important. I think about that like currently we're recording on November 3rd and um I'm Jewish. And so a lot of stuff about anti-Semitism has been coming out and both sides of, of the argument have, have points that they believe are a hundred percent valid. And if we want to get to any sort of, maybe not agreement, but sort of where we can see people and let them live their lives in the best way they know how, then we have to have this sort of dialogue, this sort of listening, this sort of curiosity. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's extremely important. Yeah. So, um, to take that from there, you listen, you listen a lot. That's why I asked you that question, right? Cause that's what you do as a coach basically. Right. I, um, I think when, when given the space for people to be actually heard, they, they almost tend to, uh, are able to solve their own problems just because they were heard so well. Um, and you told me before we got on that you, you were on coaching calls since 8am this morning. So how have you developed over time like the skill the skill of listening because it's a skill that anyone can develop just like reading and writing and running and lifting weights or doing yoga or taking a zumba class whatever it is like what have what have you done or is just over practice over time it's practice and awareness you know if i feel any type of way about what they're saying then I'm not listening to what they're saying. I'm listening to what I think about what they're saying. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. You're not actually hearing the words. You're uh, conceptualizing something that you feel they might be saying. Absolutely. So that means that I'm not here. When I get in my coaching calls or when I... I am committed to being nothing, no one, and nowhere. But you're just 
I'm you're, a mirror. But you're, yeah, you're there. You're present fully. I'm a mirror. Mm. Because that's what relationships are. Mm. Relationships are mirrors. And I'm not trying to get away from what we were just talking about, but it has to do with listening. Every relationship is a mirror, including a relationship with a coach. People are not your problem. They're your mirrors. Even my relationship with this water bottle is a mirror. Who I'm being in regards to this water bottle. Client was just, just left my house. We were like, yeah, even with a hanger, you're at the, you're, you're at the department store and a, something falls on the floor. You have a relationship with that. And now you get to see who you're being. Are you the person that bends over and picks it up? Or are you the person that says, not my problem? Mm. Not my job. There's listening in everything. Not just conversation. Yeah. Amazing. <clears throat> now, um, something else that, that popped into my brain after that is I was reading over some of your LinkedIn posts, which if people don't follow you on LinkedIn, they should, they should amazing stuff there. And you had this post very recently about unlearning, um, what we were taught. Mm -hmm. And I think that falls in line, um, with listening. Because not only do you have to listen to other people, but you have to listen to yourself and maybe your, your intuition or what your gut is saying. And so yeah. um, <clears throat> what things did you yourself have to unlearn to get to the point that you're oh, at God. now? Oh, God. Everything. Mm. So, okay. Oh, we about to go down the rabbit hole now. Right. <laughs> We are, we are. You about to, Aaron, you about to take me down a rabbit hole. Okay. Everybody listen up. I study all the master teachers. All of them. There was one thing they always had in common. And Yeshua was the one that just made it more than anybody. Become childlike again. I made a post about being coming childlike again and what that actually means. Not childish, childlike. Everything that we needed to succeed, we were born with. Study children. Children are our best teachers. Children come into this world full of love, joy, forgiveness, imagination, uh, helpfulness, curiosity. Isn't, this, isn't it interesting that all these people come to you for coaching to learn how to be more joyful, more forgiving, more curious, more loving? Can you teach me how to be? No, I can't teach you shit. But if I strip you of everything the world has put on you, you will see that you already are those things. Mm. There's nothing wrong with you. 
except for the idea you think something's wrong with you. Right. Because you already are all of those things. But then the world, it's like this iPhone, right? This iPhone, when we pull it straight out the package, this iPhone worked exactly the way Steve Jobs designed it to, or his team designed it to, right? It was perfect, straight out of the manufacturer. And then Aaron, Steve Bacon got a hold of it. And this is the product. <laughs> <laughs> it, also, it also not only has a broken screen, but it runs slow. It doesn't fully charge all the way. There's all kind of shit going on with this, this phone. But there was nothing wrong with the phone to begin with. Mm. It was perfect. Look at children. Perfection. And then the world goes, the way you are being, child, is unsafe. It's not going to help you become successful in life. You're going to be an outcast. You need to fit into this box in order to fit into society. And so all of your natural ways begin to get squeezed out of you. And they take this round person and try to put them in a square or the other way around, whichever way it goes. So that's what I mean by it's what you need to unlearn. You are literally, all the characteristics that you are trying to read all these books for, go to these seminars for, and all, you are already all of that. So you're out here trying to fix everything, right? What will, we, what will be possible if you realized that there was nothing to fix? Yeah, it, it would be a secret unlock to realize that you're not actually broken. What if you were whole and complete mm -hmm. other than the idea that you were whole, you were not whole and complete? Because one day you being your natural, whole and complete and perfect self, one day someone said, that's not good enough. And now all of a sudden you think something's wrong with you. When before, you never thought anything was wrong with you. So my clients, I don't fix anything for them. I just show them there's nothing to be fixed. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Because, you know, when you're told for however long that you're supposed to do this and supposed to do that, you're supposed to, supposed to, you should, you're supposed to, you should. And then you start to think about not what I want, but about what other people think they want that I think that I think that you think that we need. And even saying that out loud is like really hard. <laughs> so yeah. I, I imagine like trying to then process that in our brain and then go and try and be about that thing that we think we're supposed to be from the other person who doesn't know us and then try and 
perform on that level. And then we're not as successful or as uh, great as we want to be because we're not, we don't. And we're like, why am I, am I the worst person in the world? Am I broken? Am I, no, you're just looking at it in a way that's not best and most conducive to your optimal self. Yeah. And then, but it does take either a coach or just like a lot of work to figure that out. It takes, yeah. you know, it takes hard work. And so the words are easy. The, the work is hard, but yes, very uh, fulfilling work. It can be. Absolutely. And it doesn't take that long. It just takes some really hard conversations up front. Mm. You know, uh, you said something just a moment ago about the way other people self-image is not what I think of me. It's not what you think of me. It's what I think you think of me. And that's the way I respond. If you go, Steve, you're so loud. Now, depending on my self-image and how I think you see me is how I'm going to respond to that comment. See, if I think you're racist or you don't like black people, then I will take that comment and go, Oh, so what you trying to say? All black people are out. Mm. What you trying to say? See, I knew you was racist. Mm. But I'm saying that because of how I think you see me. Now, if I thought you saw me as a mentor, someone you can learn from, and you say, Steve, you so loud. Then my response will be different. It would mm -hmm. be, you like it. <laughs> That's why you're here. Yeah. Because I'm speaking to your soul. So see, depending on how I think you see me is how I'm going to respond. The challenge is I'm not a psychic. So I actually don't know how you see me. So really how I think you see me is actually how I see myself and I don't want to own it. So I blame it on you. Mm, there it is. Wow. So then how do we get to the point where we can then be very honest with ourselves about that. Well, first, you have to be willing to be wrong. Mm. See, most healing, healing is not hard. I help people heal in hours what they can't do in years or if ever in therapy. I help them do it in just a couple of hours. But the first thing I share with them is you have to have a willingness to be wrong. It's not about wrong about what happened to you, but wrong about what you made it mean. Mm. Wrong about why you think it happened. Not that it happened, it happened. But the meaning you gave it is what's controlling your quality of life. It's like chicken. You ever had just plain chicken, white people chicken? 
yeah. just plain, just plain guys. I'm just kidding. For those of you who just got offended right now, I'm <laughs> when but, I was when I was very strict about my diet in the middle of my wrestling career, that was that was what I was eating. Yeah, just plain chicken. Just, oh, disgusting, God. isn't it? <laughs> Another <Yep>. meal. <laughs> just disgusting, isn't it? Right. It's, yeah. And I had a my meditation teacher. He asked me one day, you know, do I like chicken? And I said, of course, chicken's delicious. He said, you ever had plain chicken? I said, that's disgusting. Why would you ask me that? And he says, so then you don't want the chicken. You want the plants that you put on the chicken to make it taste good. And I was like, fuck you. Don't try to make me into a vegan. Like, <laughs> that makes sense. But don't try to. <laughs> right. He's like, you just want the plants and the texture. And I was like. That's true, but don't be trying to turn me into a vegan, right? And so I was like, dang. And I was like, well, that's like life. All situations are neutral. Mm. The meanings you put on those situations are like the seasoning you put on chicken. Wow. Depending yeah. on the combination of seasonings, it's either going to be the greatest piece of chicken you've ever had or you're going to throw up. <laughs> well, it's the same thing with meanings. Meanings are the seasoning of life. All situations are just plain chicken. You get to season it with whatever you want it to mean, which is why the same situation or the same scenario, and this is another part of listening. I want to tie it back. The same situation. How is it that we can have CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News all covering this press conference and come out with three different narratives? Mm. We just watched the same thing. This person says this. This channel says this means this. This channel says this means this. And this channel says this means this, which means the situation itself is neutral. If we can all make it mean something different, then the situation itself is neutral. It means nothing. Right. It just is. And then we're putting our own biases and perspectives and experiences on that on that situation slash on that chicken. And then play victim to our own creations. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. I'm seasoning my own chicken and then going, who poisoned my chicken? Right. <laughs> yeah. Cause it all boils down to then being honest with yourself and taking some accountability yeah. for that. That oh I, I may have I may have made a a really horrible batch of chicken just now. And I'm gonna own up to that. It doesn't taste very good. Yep. Other people don't like it. Okay. Back in. Let's see what we can do next. Exactly. That's ownership. That's conscious creation. Versus unconscious creation. Which is you're still the creator. You're just not owning your creations because you don't know how you created it. Hmm. 
But if I know that my thoughts create who I'm being produces my thoughts that create. And my being is influenced by my belief system. If I'm willing to own that, then I can consciously create my reality the way I desired for it to be. If I don't take ownership of that and I'm unaware of it, then I'm still creating, but unaware of what I'm, of how I'm creating it and then playing victim to my own creations. So I'm the victim and the villain of my own story. Wow. And before all of that, before you try and drive your life via your values, before you try and kind of create the best version of yourself, would you say it's important to actually know where you want your life to actually be? Oh, absolutely. That's like getting in the car and going nowhere. Right. Where are you going? Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so that has to be step number one, right? Or step number zero. Where do you want to end up? Yeah. What do you want to create? You're a creating machine. See, there's six mental faculties that we have. I did, I worked with Bob Proctor for six months, about a year before he died. And I remember being in one of the cl our classes. It was not that big of a class. And Bob taught us the six mental faculties. In a way, I just never heard it before. Perception, will, reason, intuition, imagination, and memory. The tools of creation. We're the only creatures on the planet and within 100 billion light years that we know of so far that has those six mental faculties. Incredible, for one. Right? Incredible. Unbelievable. The, the ability to perceive a situation the way I want to see it, to make it mean whatever I want it to mean, that is a fucking superpower. Mm. When you think about it in relation to a bear or a lion or a dog, they only see what is. I could choose to see something that's not there and make it something that it's not. That's a superpower. Yeah. Reasoning. The ability to form thought and logic and judgment. You ever seen Planet of the Apes? Uh, I've seen a few of them. That's what it would be like if animals had the same mental faculties that we have. Think about that. Those animals have perception, will, reason, intuition, imagination, and memory. And the humans were fucked. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. The Bible says, let us create man in our own image. It wasn't how you physically look. That can't possibly give you dominion. Your physical can't possibly give you dominion. Because we're at the bottom of the food chain. The only thing that gives us control and power is our mental faculties. Mm. The ability to form reason and logic. To come up with conclusions. To find answers. Willpower. The ability to go and move in any direction that we want to move in to feel however we want to feel. Intuition, that ability to connect to everything. 
imagination to create something in our minds that isn't there and then blow it to life. Give it breath. That chair you're sitting in existed in somebody's head. And then they blew life into it and made it real. Yeah. Memory, the ability to go and relive. See, this is what I call coaching, instant replay. Just like in sports. They're going at a basketball game. I love basketball. I love watching basketball. So when the Warriors are playing, Curry is going as fast as he can. And when he goes up to do a layup, ref calls I don't know if that's how a whistle sounds, but. That was pretty good. I'm with right? that. Yeah. The ref makes the judgment, calls it. Now, people are questioning, was that the right call? Because everything was moving so fast. The ref made the best decision he could in the moment from his vantage point. Mm -hmm. So they developed something called instant replay. How about we stop the game, slow the playback down frame by frame so we can see it, expand the view, and then show different camera angles to see if that was the right call. That's coaching. So when you think about the mental faculty of memory, the ability to go back into the past and do an instant replay to see if we made the right call to then take that lesson and apply it to now. A fucking superpower. It's a miracle. An absolute miracle. And Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to wrap it up by saying the problem is these God-given gifts, we use them wrong. Mm. We use our perception to see obstacles instead of opportunities. That'll give you one a direction in life either way. You created it. You see an obstacle rather than an opportunity. They're both are going to lead you in a different direction. Are you using your reasoning to come up with excuses or solutions? Are you saying I can't or how can I? That's all reasoning skills. Are you forming conclusions or are you being curious? That's all reasoning. Your willpower. Are you forcing yourself to go past and become courage in spite of fear? Or are you using that willpower to keep you in the corner? Are you using your imagination to see what's possible? Or you're using your imagination to see the worst that's possible. Yeah. Are you using your memory to instant replay and find lessons that you can apply to the future to advance your agenda forward? Are you using your memory to dwell on how you were done wrong? And are you listening to your gut or did you just turn it off and listen and give other people permission to tell you what to do? Yeah. It, so it's not that we're not powerful. We just use our gifts wrong. Yeah, we're ex extremely powerful and capable. And, and it boils down to the idea of choice.
I mean, it sounds simple, right? You have a choice. What choice are you going to make? And now yeah. things present themselves in all sorts of ways. And the choices we make are, can be very hard in the moment. But if you're able to have a sort of practice about yourself where you can slow down and take a deep breath and like make a choice that's best for you, because you've already mapped out what your goals are. You've already mapped out what values align with you the most. And so then the choice becomes less hard. Not that it's easy, but a little less hard. And then instead of saying, well, what if it doesn't work out? You're like, well, what if it fucking does, man? <laughs> so I think that's really cool. So, And there's no such thing as failure. There's only feedback. See, again, look at children. Do, do children understand the concept of failure? No. No, or else they would never learn to walk because they fell down once and they wouldn't get so back So they up. just keep doing it until they either get it or don't feel like doing the shit no more. And don't feel no and, and when they don't feel like doing it anymore, they don't feel any type of way about it. They just move on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. But when you enter grade school, they started putting numbers and letters next to your effort. And depending on what number or letter you got, you were either punished or rewarded. And like Pavlov's dogs, you become conditioned to fear getting things wrong so you don't get punished. Right. And they say it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert at something. So from K through 12, it's 10,000 hours of learning to be deathly afraid of getting something wrong. And then they push you out into the world and go, Failure is not an option. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait, don't be afraid to fail. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Time out. You just conditioned me to fear getting things wrong my entire life. <laughs> and now you're telling me not to be. I'm conflicted. And a confused mind does nothing. Mm. Yeah, they just. I don't know what to do. I don't know which path to take. So I'm going to take this kind of nihilistic approach and that's going to be my life. And that sucks because, you know, from the work that I've done, I've seen the power of people, of how strong people are, how much they can go through, how resilient they are. You know, I coach a youth baseball team also and like, these kids just keep in, in a sport like baseball where all you do is get out all the time. Three, seven out of 10 times you're out, go back to the dugout, you know, and they just keep showing up and they keep showing up and they keep showing up and they keep showing up. And then I'm like, Hey, you remember how you weren't good at baseball when you were eight and now you're 14 and you're about to go into high school. You see that <laughs> progress you've made? Like that's incredible. And they can feel that. And then when we get to like age 25, we, we don't, we don't, we don't recognize all of that anymore, you know, yeah. because We've had all this stuff happen to us and we think we're supposed to be something and it and it's hard. And then you have to get into the weeds of it all and learn how to unlearn that and then figure out, you know, who the best version of you is, you know, day by yeah. day, moment by moment, all that stuff. hundred so, percent. But I have a question for you. All right. And it's based on this idea of what we're supposed to be. Were you, Steve, supposed to be this? Is this what you were supposed to be? Is this what you thought you were going to be? Is this what society thought you should be? Um, 
Well, now we're getting to the subject of. So at the end of the day, what do you believe? Right. So. The short answer, and I can go into it longer if you want, but the short answer is this is exactly what I was supposed to do. The long answer is. I played victim for a long time. And felt like God was picking on me. As he was preparing me for what I was supposed to do. The story of Joseph. Joseph was. Betrayed by his brother. Ripped of his clothes. Thrown in a hole. Sold as a slave. Spent 20 years in jail for a crime he didn't commit. Only to work on his gift of interpreting dreams. To then be summoned by the Pharaoh. To then interpret the dream right. And then be put second in command of all of Egypt. Little Jewish boy. Who God had gave him this vision when he was a kid. Which is why his brothers were like, fuck this kid. He's taking all the attention and he's in God's favor. We have to get rid of him. But his vision came true. He was second in command of Egypt. They took a little Jewish boy, dressed him up like an Egyptian to the point where his brothers didn't even recognize him. And made him second in command of the entire kingdom. But God never told him how he was going to get there. <laughs> can you imagine can you imagine god be like joseph now I'm, I'm 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 about to make you so this is when my friends start call me bishop bacon because i'm i i tell the bible my way right i tell the old testament new testament my way i tell it my way i don't give a fuck about nobody i tell it my way <laughs> i update that shit right <laughs> so, i'm here for it. i'm here for it so can you imagine if God was like, Joseph, now look, I'm going to hook you up. I got a big job for you. But in order to get you there, I'm going to need you to go tell your brothers what I just showed you. They're going to betray you. They're going to threaten to kill you. They really want to kill you, but then they feel bad. So they're just going to rip you of your clothes and throw you in a hole and leave you there to, 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 you know, baked to death but then they're going to feel bad and they're just going to sell you to a slave caravan and you're going to get accused of rape and spend 20 years in jail in order for you to get there joseph would have been like oh, i'm good bro i'm about to go ahead and milk these cows like <laughs> i'm about to milk these goats whatever it is joseph would have been like no nah, bro i'm cool so god had to keep that part of surprise Right. Life was working for him, not to not to him. He was being chiseled and molded into who he needed to be to carry such a vast load of responsibility. Mm. So the short answer is yes, because when I go through my past. My mother became a crackhead when I was six months old, six months old. I went to 14 schools growing up. I was molested as a kid, abused by my father, 
held for ransom by a drug dealer once, grew up from crack house to crack house. Met my father when I was eight. Again, abusive till I was about 14. Left him, went back to live with my grandmother, 17. Ran to the military. Married the first girl who said she loved me and then physically, mentally, and emotionally abused her until she got the courage to leave. Then out of depression, took a loaded gun that she bought me for Valentine's Day, put it in my mouth and pulled the trigger. But the only thing that saved me was God because it misfired. Realizing I didn't want to die, but I just didn't know how to live. Started drinking to get drunk because I still didn't know how to deal with all the pain that I was feeling and I needed to numb myself only to then get in trouble by the law become a felon by 19, married again by 20. So then meet a guy named Hank who was in my life for about a year, like an angel. Told me if I became an entrepreneur, I can write my own ticket. But how well my business does is completely dependent on how much I grow as a man and as a person and as a human. And then he introduced me to personal development. 18 years later and $300,000 in, I am who I am. I am that I am. Mm. And I can help people do things in hours. I'm one of the most emotionally healthy people you'll ever meet. I had amazing relationships with both my parents before my mother passed. So there's not a single thing anyone can come to me with that surprises me or scares me. And I can take them all the way to the bottom of the ocean of their subconscious mind. Because I've been there. I lived there. I was sub I was SpongeBob's coach. All of my past led me to what I do now. This is why I tell my clients, if you figure out your purpose, your past will make sense because it prepared you for it. Wow. If you figure out your purpose, your past will make sense. Because it prepared you for it. Amazing. One, thank you for sharing all of that. Two, why do you think Hank took a chance on you? You got to ask Hank, man. Uh, I talked to him for the first time maybe a year and a half, two years ago. First time we talked in like 20 years, almost 20 years. Now, you know, it's like 17 years. Let's get my math wrong. I don't know. All I know is during that time period, I was still in the military and a bunch of older guys on base was discussing you know news around the base what's happening with the young black man and my name came up and all the crazy shit that i was doing and hank drew the short straw and decided to try to intervene and i'm grateful every day 17 18 years now i've been i've been saying that man's name to everybody he has no he now knows because he follows me on Facebook. Mm. But he cried when we because he had no idea. That, that, that. Little, yeah. that little year intervention has changed thousands of lives. 
yeah, and put whole families back together mm. and help people get off drugs and stay off drugs and help people achieve their dreams. It's all because he decided to intervene. If it wasn't so for Hank, I'd either be dead in jail or strung out on some type of drug for sure. It's, it's so profound. It's so deep. Um, and it just goes to show you that one person, one moment, one word, one action, one smile potentially can change the whole trajectory of your entire existence. And that's the most important thing you just said that people don't get. Change the trajectory. People talk, people are trying to change somebody's life right now. No. Change the trajectory. Mm -hmm. It's like golf. A millimeter shift can send that ball in a completely different direction. They may not need a whole coaching program for you. Just one conversation. Stop being fucking selfish. Those who will pay you will pay you. And those that you're supposed to just serve in that moment, serve them. Do you have, I'm sure you do, but do you have any advice on how someone can find their purpose or go about thinking of what their purpose might be? You know, it's funny. The kid, the guy that just, the kid, the guy that just left my house, uh, that is his whole brand is helping you find your purpose. His name is Kasudi. Mm. K-U-S-U-D-I, which literally means uh purpose in i forget which african language but he is a master at helping people find their purpose my my advice on that is what pisses you off what pisses you off that don't seem to piss nobody else off yeah. Because you're the one that's supposed to do something about it. That's why it pisses you off. Why isn't anybody doing anything about this? Because you're the one that's supposed to be doing it, dumbass. <laughs> it's you. You're the one that's supposed to be doing it. That's why it bothers you. Yeah. You know what bothers me? Hmm. watching what I consider my belief 7 billion gods with a small g walk around like they ain't shit that hurts me like no other um, I feel that in my bones it yeah. hurts me. I'm not talking about I feel bad. I mean, it hurts me to see my brothers and sisters not recognize who they are. 
and live these meaningless lives full of victimhood and be subject to my other brothers and sisters who benefit from them not ever figuring out who they are. They're all my brothers and sisters, even the evil ones. Because there's an innocence to even the evil ones. Well, there's a there's a common humanity there, even with the evil ones, because you know, to really truly see the light, you have to come to terms with the darkness and what you yourself are capable of doing. We obviously, as human beings, we are obviously all very capable of atrocities, some horrible, horrible <laughs> shit. We know from past. <laughs> yes, we know from everything, from all of it. But those are other people, the same kind of people as you and I. And so yeah. if we say, oh, I would never, I would never. Well, you were never thrusted in that situation to have to make that life and death choice. Like I was not in Nazi Germany, so I don't know what the fuck I would do. I would hope that I would make the right choice and stand up for the things that I believe in, hopefully. But I wasn't there, so I can't right. I can't make that call and be like, mm, nope, not me. I would never. Like you have yeah. no idea. And so we have to come to terms with that darkness that we have those capabilities, but also then come to terms with how much the light can overtake that. And then if we're, we come to terms with that side, then the other side becomes that much more brighter and sharper and bigger and present. And that's what's important, I think, for me and, you know, for everyone. No, you, you nailed it, bro. You know, the word lazy, I heard this from Gary Vee and I went and looked it up and I was like, oh my God. He said, lazy is not a bad word. So I went and looked it up. And I said, damn, it just means unwilling to put forth effort. That's it. That's not a bad word. No. Now, granted, people use it manipulatively to get you to do what they want you to do by calling you lazy. Mm -hmm. But it's just unwilling to put forth effort. Judgment. It's lazy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because that means you're unwilling to put forth effort to understand the situation. So you just come to a conclusion and go, that's it. That's lazy. Yeah. That's also ignorance. It, any fool can judge. It takes a real human to seek understanding. Absolutely. It's hard work. Hard it work. is. It's hard work to it sit is. with another person and do that. It's hard work to try and figure out the things that you hold deep truths for that may not be the best option that, that someone else can counter argue on or, or see differently. And you're like, you got to sit in that discomfort, like getting kind of a little tense, but you're like, and you feel it and you see it and there's a bridge and there's a, you close the gap a little bit. And maybe you never see that person again and you both live two separate lives but you had that brilliant conversation that could have opened up something somewhere else, you know? Um, but yeah. Especially instead of asking, what can I learn from my brother? 
who has a completely different perspective on life. What can I learn? That's all the learning. That's everyone is your teacher. When you look at it from a sense of what can I learn, instead of figuring out what can I agree with or disagree with, listen from the space of what can I learn from this conversation? Because your different perspective, you have a different perspective for a reason. And it, you might have an answer to a problem that I have in my life. But if I'm not willing to listen, simply because of what you believe or what you did, then I'm missing out for myself. And then on the, the notion of, you know, the light and the dark, we are the light, but the dark must exist in order for you to know that you are the light. Mm -hmm. This is the law of polarity. I can't be loved if the opportunity to hate doesn't present itself, how would I know I'm loved? Yeah. Without hate being present. How would I know I'm courage without fear being present? How would I know I am forgiveness without resentfulness being present? How would I know if it's day, if there's no, if there's no night? How would I know it's 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 sunny if there were no clouds? Yeah. So we get caught up in these negative emotions or these negative perspectives, but that's not who we are. They're just there so you, that you can see who you're being in relation to them. But look at a child, look at a two-year-old, see if there's a hateful bone in their body. See if there's a fearful bone in their body. See if there's a judgmental bone in their body. There isn't. So that's not who we are. Yeah, that's not our essence, our true nature. It's not our true nature. It's what we've been conditioned to be. Yeah. And if you look up the word conditioning in the dictionary, it literally means how to train a human or animal to behave. We've been trained to hate, trained to fear, trained to hold resentful. You do something bad to a kid, that kid goes, it's okay. <laughs> Tell me I'm lying. Yeah. And then we go, oh, they haven't been jaded yet. They don't know. Really? That's your take on that? Not that the kid didn't take it personal and just went on about their lives. But the fact that they didn't hold on to it and resent it bothers you. That says something more about you than the child. Your child is your mirror, not your problem. Because you can only see in other people what you see in yourself. Mm. That's why children only see the innocence in everyone. Because it's all they can see in themselves. Yeah. So they walk up to the bad man and go, you're not bad. You just misunderstood. But we, ah. Oh. Ooh, 
you vindictive. Well, how would I know what vindictive is if I haven't been vindictive? It takes one to know one, right? Right. So you can only recognize that energy in the next person. When you, at some point, have been that. And instead of forgiving yourself and recognizing the innocence in your vindictiveness, you throw it up and project it on the next person and go, you're wrong. You could never see the innocence in everyone else if you refuse to see the innocence in yourself. In every mistake that you've ever made, there's innocence because you're still new to this world. I don't care how old you are. I'm 38 for the first time. I'm a 38-year-old married man for the first time. Today is just as new for me as it is for that two-year-old. Because neither one of us has ever experienced today. Yeah. So when I approach life from that perspective, I remain childlike and experience heaven right where i'm at <laughs> yeah you get to experience the full totality of each moment yes no that's beautiful because you know nothing literally nothing is promised not tomorrow not the next second not the next minute <clears throat> so just like you that's steve i want to i want to i want to be right here i want to enjoy this moment you know, that's why I love doing these podcasts so much because there's very rare points in my life where I get to have a one-on-one -on -one interrupted conversation with someone, you know? Wow. No phone. That's a hell of a perspective, man. I you know? love that. And I love talking to you, but that's a hell of a perspective. You know, it's like my phone is away. You know, my phone is... Don't see it. Don't look at it. All I see is you and the words and the conversation and things that come up and the dialogue we have. It's like, holy shit. That's fucking amazing, right? And so I, I encourage people to try and um, <clears throat> do that in their own life by pretending to do a podcast. You have a friend? Great. Schedule a 30-minute time block with that friend. Put the phone on the table, press record, and go. You don't have to put it out in the world. You don't have to share it with anyone. You're just speaking. And the phone is there on record, only there. No notifications. The other phone is away. And you're just with that person. And you've scheduled it on your, on your block, 30 minutes. And you guys keep going. Maybe you go an hour. Maybe you go an hour and a half. But it's something. It also helps you work on the way you speak, the way you think about ideas, what opinions you really hold to be true and that you want to die on that hill for. And it just helps you get words out. And then there's no end point. There's no goal. It's just talking. And... I think we've come to a point in our society where we have to do that to get a real conversation with people, with our friends, where there's no distractions. And if you can make it sort of a game, then I think it's really cool. And um, I heard that on a podcast called Modern Wisdom, and I thought it was a brilliant idea. And so, I mean, it's- That was brilliant. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. You just blessed me right there. Thank you. Well, that's how I feel about this this whole conversation we've just had. So. <laughs> you just blessed me. Thank you. That was brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> I have 
one final question for you. But before I do the final question, which I'd like to end with, we'll take a moment now here for let people know where they can follow you, um, the best place to go to reach you, and then we'll and then I'll ask you the final question. CoachSteveBacon.com is uh, where you can find me. I believe all my social media handles are there too. Mm -hmm. They sure um, that uh, we're building and growing that website with more videos, more testimonials, more blogs. So anything I'm up to, you can pretty much find at CoachSteveBacon.com or my Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn. Yeah. Steve and I and got it should connected. be the same thing at all three. I think Coach it is. Yeah. Bacon. Yeah. Yeah. We got connected over LinkedIn. So I encourage you to go there and check that out. But <clears throat> here's my final question. So if you, Steve, could make a billboard and millions of people would see that billboard every single day, what would you put on that billboard? There's nothing wrong with you other than the fact that you believe something's wrong with you. Love it. <laughs> Let's get it up there, baby. Let's put it up there. Yeah, billboards are um, very expensive. I've come to learn. <laughs> did, you, did you do one before? I Well, I've asked this question 90% of my episodes. And um, like I told you before we started recording, I have a nonprofit called You Are Love. And I was like, oh, You Are Love. That's Yes, let's put that on a billboard. I want literally everyone in the world to see that and feel that. And I was like, ooh, nope. <laughs> How much was no. it? It was a lot. It was like twenty thousand dollars. That's it. Well, I mean, I'm a nonprofit, so for how long? It just stays up there. Twenty thousand dollars to put something up there and just leave it up there for a time frame. I think it was like a year time frame. Oh, bro, you just blessed me again. You think that's good? Can we make something happen or what? I'm gonna put that. I'm gonna put what I just said up on a billboard. Let's go. There's Let's nothing go. wrong with you, other than the fact that you believe something's wrong with you. CoachSteveBacon.com. <laughs> Money. As, as heard on Jackson Talks, everybody. Right, as heard on Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> now we're, yeah. That. that is that's one client. Hey, let's go, baby. That's awesome. One client. Come on, let's do it. Well, you did say at the top that you're, you're doing incredible. So I believe that to be true now. Well, my coaching fees are. You can buy a Honda. Your coaching fees are what they should a be. A brand new Honda for my, what I charge. Yeah. High value. Um, but my prices aren't for me. Let me bless you with this last thing. Yes, sir. My income has, as a coach, has damn near doubled every year for the last four years. My process has not changed. Hmm. How I get clients has not changed. And I get clients organically. No email campaigns, no funnels, no nothing. We went from 50,000, 48,000 for two years. Well, we started off with zero. Right. And then it was like 15,000 the first year. And then it was like 48,000 and 48, got stuck there, then went to 100, then 200, then four. Right. So I've been doing the exact same process all those years. So how did my income go from 15,000 my first year coaching to 400,000? Because it wasn't about what I was doing, but who I was being doing it. Hmm. 
And I decided to just ask for more money. And at first I was asking for more money and that's what got me to a hundred thousand and then got me to 200,000. But what got me to 400,000 and what's now about to take me to a million next year, which very clear on is that I'm no longer charging for me. I'm charging for them. Here's what that means. Clients, when they come to me, they show me the life they want to create. I know the amount of work it's going to take for them on the inside to become the person necessary that creates whatever it is that they laid out in front of me. It's going to be the hardest shit they ever did. Because most people, especially in the personal development industry, they're not looking to get better. They're looking to get high. Mm. They're looking for that shot of endorphin or, or dopamine or serotonin. They're looking for somebody to make them feel good. So they go from seminar to seminar and coach to coach that motivates them so they can get that hit. Because when it comes to doing the real work, they avoid that shit like the plague. The real work. They're addressing your shit head on. They rather cope. Which is like having a trash can full of shit sitting in your living room learning how to deal with the smell. Healing is getting butt naked, jumping in that motherfucker, cleaning it out and pushing it outside. It takes more work and commitment and courage, but when you're done, you're done. So I hold my client's money ransom. You want this? Okay. You committed? Yep. Give me 30 grand. Give me 30 grand and you will have that. How? Because you're going to have to do all the shit necessary. The work that you're about to do with me to become who you need to become to achieve that, it will be the hardest thing you ever did and you will want to quit every day. Because I'm going to make you face yourself like you've never faced yourself before. I'm going to make you deal with shit that you've never dealt with before. I'm going to make you face shit that you have been avoiding for years. I'm going to make you get back in integrity with yourself. You cheated on your wife. I'm going to make you tell your wife you cheated on her to get back integrity with yourself. I'm going to teach you how to create through the integrity of your word and who you are being. And I need to hold this money ransom so you don't quit. Mm -hmm. And this is pennies compared to what you will receive for the rest of your natural fucking life. Yeah. You miss more than one call, I fire you and keep and keep your money. You miss more than one assignment, I fire you and keep your money. You're late, I fire you and keep your money. 
I see you're not putting in effort. I fire you and keep your money. And in those weeks where you're saying, fuck you, Steve, you have a choice to break through or forfeit this money. Because as the Bible says, show me where a man's money is and I'll show you where his heart is, where his mind is, where his attention is. So when I started charging them for them and not for me, my money tripled. Amazing. So we're definitely getting a billboard then. <laughs> definitely getting a billboard. Let's go, baby. <laughs> but for real, thank you um, for joining me, for bringing your wisdom, your energy, um, your knowledge, your experience. Uh, I love this conversation. Um, I did too, so. brother. I appreciate you for having me. You Thank you. You truly are a gentle soul. I don't know you from Adam, but I just feel so connected to your soul. Thank you. Yeah, you I feel the same way. Such a gentle presence. Thank you. That really means a lot. I um, Yeah, I can't wait for people to hear this. I can't wait to talk to you more and connect more. Um, so Yes, brother. Thank you, Steve. Best wishes to all of you and what you're doing. And um, thank you, everyone that watched or listened. Subscribe, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, all that good stuff. But most importantly, most importantly, please, please take good care of yourselves and others. We'll see you next time. Lots of love. Take care, everybody.